Welcome to episode five of the podcast. Today we are joined by our favorite podcasters, uh, Dr. Simon and Ashley Kibutha, registered dietitian. They've both been on the podcast uh, multiple times, and so we're really happy that they could join us again. And today we're going to talk all about lifestyle diseases, uh, what they are, what the situation is like in Kenya, how to help prevent and manage them, and also how COVID has impacted them. So without further ado, welcome Simon and Ashley. Um, thanks for taking time out of your weekend for joining us again. Um, Ashley, I know you're, you're still in the countryside. We can hear the chickens. Yes. <laughs> um, Thank you for having us. No, it's so nice to see your faces again. Simon is at home. His, uh, his, um, huh? his mini-me might uh, make some noise for us in the background. No, he's, he's, locked, in his, he's locked in his room today. Locked in his room. Should come you should let him come and contribute. <laughs> you might have something to say. And and Andy is is still in the UK. Yeah, for a couple more weeks, and I'll be back. I'm in the UK countryside, so it's okay. Yeah, we we've been debating whose internet is the best. Um, I think Ashley is surprisingly yeah. she's been winning. <laughs> she's sharing yeah. it with much fewer people. <laughs> but, I'm um, so proud. Marco any proud right here. <laughs> Oh, so lifestyle diseases. Um, when we put that out on on Instagram, a lot of people were confused on what a lifestyle disease actually is. So I think that's a great place for us to start. Uh, so Simon, can you can you kickstart uh, this episode off with what exactly is a lifestyle disease? Hey, so um, I'm going to break down the basically three types of, of diseases that we as humans or any living living animal go through. So the first one is the infectious disease. So the infectious is like, you know, your tuberculosis, your pneumonia, COVID, you know, something that's caused by a bacteria, something that's outside the body coming in to you know, cause an infection. And then we have the genetic diseases. These are things due to like um, genetic predispositions. Let's say you have a gene that malfunctions and causes you to have a disease. There's so many, we'll discuss them at length. And then you have the lifestyle diseases, which is what we are discussing today. Um, the lifestyle diseases is basically diseases which are preventable, and there are four factors, uh, four, four lifestyle factors um, that affect cell diseases. One, exercising regularly, uh, maintaining a healthy weight, uh, following a healthy diet, and uh, not smoking, drinking, or doing any drugs. So any disease that can be caused by doing any of, not doing any of those four things, we consider lifestyle disease. Because it's, um, it's modifiable, it's something that you have control over. That simple. Okay, and what are examples of lifestyle diseases? So for lifestyle diseases, we have the... Um, Okay, there are quite a few. Like we'll deal with the ones that are, no, because it's a fitness podcast. We're going to deal with the ones that are controlled by exercise and diet and that sort of thing. Um, the first one is heart disease. Um, heart disease <clears throat> is um, caused, you know, let's, it's atherosclerosis, mm -hmm. which is when you have fatty deposits in your, in your arteries. And then we have, uh, in the same line, strokes, same line. Then you do have your type 2 diabetes, your hypertension, Obesity is now considered a disease. 
and uh, then we have cancer nowadays also considered a lifestyle disease some cancers not all and then we have now the ones that are down to substance abuse like alcohol so you have your COPD which is chronic uh, obstructive pulmonary disease from smokers and you have you know the liver diseases uh, the cirrhosis and whatever come from alcohol still lifestyle disease it's something you can control those are the main ones that are well we're going to be discussing today okay so um Ashley, have you got anything to add yet or should we sort of get into them one by one no, I think, I think Dr. Simon did a great job of kind of giving us this overall view of the classifications and kind of definition. So I think, I think he did a great job. Okay, great. Okay. So why don't we start with the sort of heart diseases? That, that's exactly how I'd lined it up as well to start with, because um, I feel like um, we were, we were going to go into the statistics of mm-hmm. uh, the, you know, the diseases, how many people in Kenya have, but with things like heart disease and strokes and... Uh, you know, heart attacks, everyone knows someone who's been affected by it. Most of our parents and our grandparents are, are dying from be it a heart attack or a stroke or, you know, something something that's related mm-hmm. to these lifestyle diseases. So I was going to start with um, heart disease, which the main, main issue here is what we call atherosclerosis. This is a disease of the arteries. So the arteries is what uh, delivers blood that's oxygenated coming from your heart. To, throughout your body, it goes through the heart, through the arteries, and it's distributed throughout the throughout the body. So atherosclerosis is a disease of the large and medium arteries. I'm gonna try not to be too too <laughs> technical. Um, so when <clears throat> sorry, it's caused by there are two there are two factors that cause it. So there's a genetic predisposition. There are some genes. People who have some genes that. Um, who are more susceptible to to getting heart disease. And then you have the acquired factors, the modifiable factors. Mm-hmm. Now I'm gonna list them, they're gonna sound a bit technical, but I'm gonna list them. This is how they, they appear in the doctor books, yeah? So the risk factors for atherosclerosis is you have hyperlipidemia, which is when you have too many, too much lipids in the blood, too many fats in the blood, and you have your diabetes, cigarette smoke, hypertension, and dietary deficiencies, uh, diets low in antioxidants, that's also a risk factor according to our, our medical books. So low in fruits and vegetables, so in other words. It sounds like a big complicated one, but, sorry? I was just going to say the antioxidants, so if... Sorry? Yeah, I was just going to say for antioxidants, if people are unaware of that. Um, so those are basically nutrients that are found mostly in fruits and vegetables that reverse the cell damage. So just so people know where that's coming from, um, the low antioxidants. So again, that's how I always say a, a, a diet that's high in those fruits and vegetables. Mm-hmm. There you go. So those are the risk factors for this big word, atherosclerosis, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So what atherosclerosis is, is damage to the inside, the inner layer of the, of the arteries. So these arteries are the ones that are supplying blood throughout the body, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So the, the things that cause damage is one, high blood sugar. When, you're, when the sugar in the blood is high, uh, it tends to injure the, the cells there. And then you have uh, the high fats, uh, especially the lipids, LDL, oxidized, um, and also you have toxins from cigarettes. Those are the main things that injure the endothelium. So what happens when you injure the inner layer is that as, as with any part of the body, 
um, when you when you injure it, you're gonna get a scar tissue, some scarring, some your body's gonna try repair it. And in the blood, you have uh, blood cells, you have platelets, and you have white blood cells. So the white blood cells are gonna come, they're gonna come to where the injury is, the injury that was caused by your high blood sugar or your high blood fat, and they're gonna start trying to repair it. And how how does blood repair? It forms clots, isn't it? So when you have a clot forming in a blood vessel, what happens, the blood vessel has blood, especially arteries, has blood moving at very high speeds. Your heart beats 60 to 100 beats a minute. So the blood is moving at high speeds. Eventually that clot can get dislodged. Um, and when that clot is dislodged, you find it going into the heart, causes, block, causes a block. That's what we call a heart attack. Mm. That's so, simple. And when it goes to the brain, it's a stroke. Yeah, so just say you've been smoking for 60 years and you uh-huh. have no issues do you consider that like a medical marvel or cause... not at all i was actually gonna get to that yeah. um, as we say this uh, is caused by genetic factors yeah. and acquired factors yeah so the acquired factors are you're doing damage by doing these things by smoking by eating eating poorly um you're you're putting yourself more at risk how your body responds to the injury that you've you've given it is now due to your genetics. Some people might do it for five years and they get sick, they get a heart attack at 25. Other people could do it till they're 70 and their body doesn't respond in the same way. That's just down to your genetics. Yeah, it's like um, lung cancer is a genetic factor in my family. My granddad died of it, my dad just died of it. Uh, but that's also when the lifestyle then impacts on it because my dad had a choice not to smoke, but he just carries on smoking. My aunt, yeah. Huh? hasn't smoked and her lungs are perfectly fine okay. but um you know it's it's, it's, and it's quite an, an aggressive form of lung cancer which is yeah it's based in geneticism but um yeah it just shows you like you know you can have a genetic predisposition oh. but you can use your lifestyle to sort of combat that so yeah, which... the reason i've taken so much time to explain this one atherosclerosis is for a good reason You've noted um, the risk factors we had were diabetes, which is high blood sugar, and then we had the high high cholesterol, which is an easier way to say it, and hypertension and the dietary deficiencies, yes? Um, all these are things uh, that are caused, again, by, you know, lifestyle choices. Something like diabetes, type 2, as Andy was, we were discussing a bit earlier, type 2 diabetes is caused by two things. Either one, you're not producing enough insulin, or two, you're producing insulin, but your cells, the cells in your body, are not responding to the insulin that you're producing. And the most common cause that, uh, other than the genetic people, people who have genetically low, they're not producing enough insulin, is that you're eating a meal, you're you're eating a cake. Sorry, I really always hate on cake. (laughs) But you eat this one cake. Eater. Yeah, no, you eat this one cake, a slice or two slices, you, you put in a thousand calories into your body at the same time, yeah? One go, you've put, your, you've put a thousand calories into it. Your body's going to respond to this because if it doesn't, the blood sugar, your blood sugar is going to rise immediately. Yeah. It's going to start producing insulin to bring that blood sugar down because as we saw earlier, the blood sugar, when it's very high, it causes damage to the cells. So your body's going to start producing insulin. Sorry, I think it's breaking. There you go. Oh, we're yeah. back. Mark? Oh, yep. sorry, sorry about that. No worries. Yeah. Where did I, where did I leave? Uh, Your body producing insulin? 
Right. Yeah, um, about your cake, eat it. Yeah. Eat a thousand calorie cake. Yeah. Yes? And that's not hard. If you, if you see, my wife is a chef, and I see how much sugar she puts in cakes, and I'm always like, <laughs> I'm just holding Especially my hand. that cheesecake. Mm. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> if, if you saw how much things are made, you'd never eat them. <laughs> no, you just, just be smart. Don't, don't eat a thousand calories of it. Just, just... Yeah. <laughs> but it's hard to know. You know what a thousand calories is. Yeah. It's not that big. Two slices of cake, you have a thousand calories. Two slices. Anyway, Generous. back to the Okay, sorry. So you you've had your thousand calories. Your blood sugar rises because the sugar is gonna be absorbed into your into your blood your from blood. the digestive system. Your body starts producing insulin to bring that sugar down, isn't it? Yeah. What happens is that one it might not be able to produce enough insulin because, I mean, you've given it such a big load. But especially mm-hmm. if this is your, you know, it's a habit. So you keep giving it a big load. And eventually, your cells are going to get so used to the high insulin levels and they're going to stop responding over time. Yeah. And there you go. That causes your, your diabetes. See, I'm in the other camp. I'm, I'm genetically predisposed. So even when I don't have anything bad and I can be, I wake up with bloods of like 5.5 5.6 just uh-huh. making even if i did that you know very low carbs so you know what we did just to try and keep some sort of stability is um we changed my diet around so we put fats up proteins up reduced carbs in the diet in general try and improve insulin sensitivity in general uh-huh. but also keep you know so i only really have carbs around exercise um, so we just do it around the exercise window and um you know that way i've been able to keep my blood at sort of five or four point nine pretty yeah. regular which is good um for me i also take a little bit of social therapy mm. um you know it's a herbal thing but apparently it's this there's lots of studies scientific studies you know saying it's, it's as effective as metformin you know, and you can Google it online, you know, there's, there's plenty of studies on uh, Burberry, um, you know, and maybe because it sort of disrupts glucose absorption in the stomach, but, um, you know, well, we don't know yet. Um, but, so I've been able to control that, but if I was to then have a bad lifestyle as well, yeah, you know, if I stopped exercising at what I wanted, then anyone who knows me knows I can Andy is a champion eater. A champion cake eater. <laughs> Before he gets back, he's, he's frozen so we can say all We can, we, we, we can talk badly about him. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, as, as Andy is there, Simon, what, what is normal blood sugar, just for yeah, reference? To, um, for a random sugar, should be seven. Not, 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 usually we say seven. Seven is normal. Not, nothing above seven. So if I, if I get like a glu- uh, blood uh, glucose measuring machine, I should check for it should be below below seven below seven okay. all right yeah ab- above seven uh, then we know you there's some uh, glutose bad glucose intolerance yeah yeah and above 11 we confirm that it's diabetes that it's a, it's a problem it's a, oh, okay yeah, yeah so and then seven. what is the units what is the unit set that's measured in dr simon because i know um coming from the us it's very <laughs> different so i'm just kidding. you do milligrams <laughs> yeah you do milligrams per dl we use uh, okay Okay. M-M-O-L, yeah, okay. Yeah. Andy, you're back. something. I don't remember the American standard. No, yeah. Yes. So in the US, I think it's um, 
you know, you have diabetes if you're 114. There you go, yeah. Um, yeah, but anytime you're like a bit over 100, it's kind of like, okay. How about 7? Above 7, we, you know, we, 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 uh, we are cautious. But yeah. above 11, then there's a high chance that you, you're diabetic. Mm. So yeah. let's say for the sake of the listeners, um, mm-hmm. um, type 2 diabetes is acquired, right? As from what you've said. It's a, it's a, it's a combination of both. Yeah. yeah. Remember, so, remember we said uh, diabetes is caused, there's type 2 diabetes anyway. Yes. It's caused um, by two things. Yeah. There's one, either you're not producing enough insulin. Two, your cells are resistant to the insulin. Yes. So the one is like Andy's. Andy's might Andy might have an issue producing enough. Yeah. That his beta cells just don't produce enough. Yeah. I think I froze for a bit. So yeah, no, so it's a type. No. It's a combination of it. But I was coming to oh, the point. Uh, you just so people know, you can still be. You can say, be born with it. That's type one. Type if one. You're yes, born with type it, one. That's type 1. Type 1 means that your beta cells just do not produce enough insulin. You're not insulin resistant, but you're, you're not producing enough insulin. And, you know, every time you have a meal, your body needs to release insulin. Otherwise, the blood sugar goes up and high blood sugar is dangerous. It kills all cells from your artery cells, as we were discussing earlier, to your brain cells, to your eyes. Like It, it messes everything up to your kidneys. So without it, type ones have to inject the mm. insulin because they don't produce enough. Yeah, so and that's not something, and that's not something you have control over. You know, type one, like mm. you, like you said, you're born with it. Yeah, that's why it's type two that. Um, that's why you know how there's stigma everywhere. So I'm I'm just I'm getting to the point where so if I've lived with you know type one diabetes, I've tried mm-hmm. keeping healthy. Uh-huh. Um. <laughs> Is that still like a lifestyle disease or, you know, I didn't have a choice. I, I was born with it. You were I'm born doing, with it. I'm There's doing my much. best. We know someone. We have one lady who I really admire. It's called Fla. I don't know how to pronounce her name. Fla. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Sounds Fla. like flower, flower, flower. <laughs> yep, she's, she's a type 1 diabetic. Yeah, you know? she... And that's something she was born with. Her body just does not produce insulin. So she has to inject insulin. Otherwise, she's going to suffer from the complications of high, uh, high blood sugar. And she is one of the most religious people in terms of uh, exercise and diet. Yeah. If she didn't do any of those things, I don't think she'd be alive today. If her diet and her exercise routine was not as stringent as it is, she'd not be here today. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And just, just very off topic. It's just, I think it's incredible how technology is now. You know, how yeah. it all connects from your Apple Watch to your iPhone, monitoring your sugars. and uh, I had a good conversation with her about uh, the wearable tech. Because, you know, we, when I, uh, I bought blood glucose from her, we had this conversation. Uh, well, the system she wears, you know, with a wearable, you can actually, over a period of time, you can see which foods have the most effect on your, on your, on your blood sugars and when, what to avoid. It's really good, I, you know... For a lot of us, it's probably a good bit of tech just to see, you know, how our body responds to things. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not saying everyone should go out and spend the money on it, but I do think, especially those guys who do bodybuilding and stuff, they're yeah. actually probably quite useful data. Yeah, they're very too. serious bodybuilders. Just yeah, for, very serious. Yeah, for starters, quite... just don't eat a thousand calorie cake, yeah. as yeah, Simon said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you look at something and it's just sugar, then those are the small things that we can control. Yeah, yeah. Totally, totally. Simon. 
True. <laughs> yeah, he loves that cake. Yeah. It's not my choice. <laughs> okay. Now, yeah, it's, it's, it's important to differentiate with type 1. And yeah, type 2, yeah. Well, type 2, even if you're predisposed to type 2 diabetes, mm-hmm. doesn't mean you're going to get it. Yeah. No, that's where you can put your lifestyle in order altogether, and that's the thing with type two. You, yeah. you don't even if you have it, you can reverse it. Mm-hmm. I've been, I've been uh, doing some, you know, some research on the topic where there are actually not one, not two people. Enough people who are using diet and exercise have been able to reverse the type two yeah. diabetes. Which comes yeah, to sorry. No, no, I was just going to say which comes to my point. Like um, from what you've said, it seems like most of these diseases you need to do some kind of test. So mm-hmm. is there, are there like, I, I don't know if I should call them, like indications like I'm at home, are there things I can look out for to, you know, the, no, 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 like signs before. It depends. For diabetes, if we're speaking about diabetes in particular, it, it does have some some signs and symptoms. Yeah. That, that um, if you have them, then maybe you should, you should, you know, go to a doctor and get screened. And it's a very simple test. It takes two minutes. Yeah. Um, I can list them if you'd like. No, no, I'm just thinking because, see, most of the data that's collected, I remember, like, uh-huh. from when I used to, like, in uni, it's people who can afford healthcare. Now, uh-huh. I'm yeah. just talking in terms of I'm a normal guy. Maybe uh-huh. every time I eat uh, certain kind of carbs, I feel a certain way. Like, how... Uh-huh. As a guy who can't spend a thousand on a test, but uh-huh. you know, I like maybe doing some jogging, keeping fit, doing stuff I can afford at home. How can I keep myself as healthy as possible? I'm on low income. I'm trying to eat as healthy as possible, but uh-huh. you know, I don't have enough money to afford the insulin, go for tests if if I if I have it, you know, stuff like that. Um, I think Ashley would be best suited when it comes to diet to to tell you what sort of foods you can eat and which ones you should avoid. I mean, I have my list, but I'm nowhere nearly as technical as she is. Um, (laughs) what I'd say, sorry, just, just, uh, you, you go ahead. I'll go after you. Yeah. Just, just to, to, to answer your question. Um, there's no way to know whether you're going to get, you know, diabetes or hypertension or it's it's just down most of it as you said a lot of it is down to genetics yeah but like there was a statistic i read today um just bear with me let me let me read this yeah so the combination of the four lifestyle factors number one we mentioned them earlier exercising regularly following a healthy diet which actually will explain maintaining a healthy weight this is debatable and then not smoking or taking any uh no smoking, drinking in moderation. Actually, they said low to moderation. Now that's very subjective. And avoiding all these other substances uh, was associated with as much as eighty percent reduction in developing the most common deadly chronic diseases. Mm-hmm. So those we really have so much power. Things. Sorry, yeah, yeah, just those yeah. four simple things. Yeah, big time. Um, if you do those four, even if you do get sick, then listen, you yeah. did your best not yeah, to not true. get yeah. sick, and you are gonna get yeah. sick anyway. Yeah, I think before, yeah. just before you gush, I would say that, you know, it, if you can also look at your family history, uh-huh. you know, like Andy's, his dad, his, you know, whoever, you yeah. can see if there's, if there's, you know, going back in your family that people get lung cancer or people have diabetes or, yeah. 
you know, or, or, or whatever, you know, and if you're worried about this kind of thing, you can then, you know, go and be tested. I guess, like, Andy, that's what you did, you know. Yeah, um, so my dad had pre-onset type 2 diabetes before we knew he had cancer. Uh, and he was he kind of tried to reverse it, and he was doing really well, but doctors wouldn't take him off the medication, because I was going to say this, you've got to find a doctor who's willing to take the risk to take you off medication. Yeah. That doesn't always happen, especially within the UK on the NHS. Um, but he got good, but then when his cancer really kicked in, he, it kicked him straight into type 2 diabetes, almost, like, you know. Not overnight, but like quite quickly. So he was, he, he, yeah, at the end of his days, as a type 2 diabetic with, with lung cancer. But, um, and that made me think, well, you know, maybe, you know, I'm very much into things like genetic testing and mm. I wanted to know a little bit more about the raw genetic data because there's a lot of programs online and there's lots of things. So we got my health screening, genetic health screening, and, um, yeah, there's certain things. So, you know, type 2 diabetes was the biggest risk for me. Um, it was like, you know, different risk levels in 23 me and uh, mine was like 50-50 likely to get type 2 diabetes, right? Which is a bit, you know, not too bad. Um, but yeah, so um, with me, it was, you know, a case of that was a risk. Alzheimer's, late, oh no, late onset dementia uh, or late onset Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's yeah. Yeah. Um, APOE gene. And another one to do with iron levels, which I was quite worried about because, so quite interestingly, in July, no, June, I think, I had a load of, my whole blood panel was taken, competitive athlete blood panel. Everything, it cost about £200, about 30k in Kenyan money, done. And then I took it to Dr. Dean St. March to go through my blood panel. And Dr. Dean, and we spent, you know, had a consultation online, he looked at my blood. He goes, well, it looks like your body wants to make you type 2 diabetes. Look at your hormone profiles. Well, he's like, oh, well, that's, that's unusual. That's why I got my good blood glucose monitor. We started monitoring my blood glucose. Then I did another blood test. When was it? Not so long ago. Um, and you know, because of some changes I made, my uh, nutrient partitioning is better. I'm generally healthier. But, um, but there's also, I've got a high ferritin count. And I was convinced this might be a genetic thing, but it's probably linked to that type 2 diabetes rather than the other thing that's on 23andMe, which is hemocritus hereditary disease, so I've got an increased risk of. But um, the important thing is with these genetic tests is not to panic. I tend to go to the doctor, discuss it with them, and not just think, right, I've got this warning, you know, I'm 75% more likely to get this form of cancer. Go get another test with a doctor. But it's a good way to get an indication of what, you know, genetic predispositions you've got. And, you know, we've made some significant changes in my diet. And as I said, now I've, I keep my blood relatively stable. You know, I, I'm, you know, and it's working well in that sense. Um, and as, as a result, I'm probably, as I bulk up in a bodybuilding thing, I'm bulking up with less fat. My body, because... When I was having a higher carb approach to bulking, my body was storing more body fat. Mm -hmm. So now I've got a higher fats, lower carb ratio. It seems like I'm growing without, whilst keeping in some sort of decent condition as well. So, you know, that's helped in that sense. Yeah, which I think leads us nicely into the diet uh, part. Um, and uh, yeah, Ashley, really interested to hear your, your sort of take yes. on that. 
Yes. Well, thank you. So first of all, I want to say, you know, people are getting these genetic tests and, you know, they're paying attention to, you know, their family history and stuff, which is so great because then you're empowered with more information to know, I really need to take this seriously. But at the same time, just because you don't have a genetic predisposition doesn't mean you're not going to get it and that you can eat however you want. The other thing is, too, we eat healthy, not just to prevent chronic disease, but also to make sure we feel our best. Our body is functioning its best. We're giving our brain what it needs. You know, we're feeling our fueling our body and all these other things. So I just have to say that, of course, as a dietitian, um, to always encourage healthy eating, regardless of the situation that you're in. But specifically based on chronic disease, um, you know, we started out with heart disease. So I'll kind of go through what we recommend in terms of an overall healthy diet for prevention and then also for treatment and then why particular foods and nutrients are so important and what their role is. So um, first of all, with heart disease, you know, fiber is a really key nutrient. um, And that's because um, what the fiber does, there's two types of fiber. There's insoluble and there's soluble. And the soluble fiber, what this does, so think of like oats and your fruits, um, things like that, it actually combines to the cholesterol in your blood and then gets excreted out of your body through your stool. So that is one example of how we can help to manage our cholesterol levels, um, specifically the LDL cholesterol, which is that bad cholesterol that puts us at a higher risk for heart disease. Um, The other thing is that fiber helps us with our weight management um, because it keeps us fuller for longer. And we know that if we're overweight, we're more likely to be, it's one of the risk factors, you know, for chronic disease. Um, And then, you know, as Dr. Simon was saying, a lot of times diabetes and heart disease are comorbidities, meaning people have one, they're at a higher risk for the other, and many people have both of them um, at the same time. So the fiber also helps to manage your blood sugars. So it prevents, you know, like if you're to have um, a white chapati versus a brown chapati, the white chapati, you're going to get a big spike in your blood sugar and then it's going to drop. Whereas if you have the brown chapati because of the fiber content and a little more protein, it's going to be more moderate and more sustained, which is going to be better control of your blood sugar. Um, The other thing with fiber, again, fiber is huge, you guys, um, for this is that Fiber is the food for that good bacteria or those probiotics that we hear so much of. And so much new studies and research that is coming out is linking healthy gut bacteria and a healthy gut to so many different diseases. Um, So again, another reason to have that fiber. Um, Particularly with heart disease, we really want to watch our salt intake, um, specifically our sodium salt, kind of the same thing. Um, You know, it's in processed foods. And then, of course, if you're adding it to things, And many times salt is the first ingredient of any spice. So a lot of times people will say, well, I don't use, you know, salt. I use, you know, whatever mixed seasoning. A lot of times salt is that first ingredient. So always pay attention to that. Um, And what salt does is it actually causes our body to retain fluid. Um, So another way, in other words, it can increase our blood pressure. And then as Dr. Simon was saying, the faster our blood is moving through our veins and arteries, it's crashing along those arterial walls, which is causing damage, which is now causing our immune response to then put that sticky substance there and eventually create a clot. Um, So, you know, that's that's the impact that um, the sodium can have. Um, with that. So what's recommended is no more than about 2,300 milligrams of sodium per day, which is one teaspoon, you guys. 
So the small spoon, that's it. And then you have to remember what else is already in my food. Um, the other thing is that sea salt, I have to say you is the same amount, I have to tell you is the same amount of sodium as regular salt. So a lot of times you think if we have sea salt, it's better for me or it doesn't have the sodium. That's not true. Um, now, if you already have um, heart disease and you're diagnosed with that, your salt intake should be at no more than 1500 milligrams per day. And again, it's because of that blood pressure um, issue. The other thing is caffeine. Um, caffeine can increase, increase our blood pressure as well and can have impacts on the heart, especially if we have heart disease. So um, it's always good to talk to your doctor about that, how much you can have and if you can have any at all. Um, and then, you know, Dr. Simon was mentioning that um, antioxidants um, are, are when we don't have enough of that, that's what can put us at risk for these. So making sure we're eating enough of those fruits and vegetables for those antioxidant properties, which truly do reverse that cell damage um, that we're having just from being alive and just being out in the environment and different stressors and things like that. And, and definitely if we do have a chronic um, disease, then, you know, our cells are being damaged. So those antioxidants actually repair. Um, whole grains actually have antioxidants as well. And then again, a big, a big thing with the fruits and vegetables is that fiber, which I, again, um, already talked about. The other thing is it's really important to focus on the types of fat um, that we're consuming because not all fats are the same. And so the biggest type um, of fat that we really want to focus on limiting is those saturated fats. So I always talk about the three S's. So saturated, S for saturated fats, S for solid at room temperature, S for sticking to my veins and arteries. Okay, so just think about the three S's. It's an easy way to remember that. Um, so those those solids that are, you know, those fats that are solid at room temperature. So think of butter, lard, coconut oil. I'm sorry, I will go to my deathbed unless some science um, study proves me different. It is all saturated fat. And so when we look at the amount of saturated fat that um, we should stay within, it's about 12 to 15 grams um, per day of saturated fat. The rest of our saturated fat, uh, the rest of our fat should be coming from those unsaturated um, or the liquid fats at room temperature or the fats that are coming from nuts and seeds and avocados, things like that. Um, you know, specifically, we want to focus on those omega-3s because they are so heart healthy, um, but they also have an anti-inflammatory effect in our bodies. And all these lifestyle fact, um, diseases that we're talking about in these chronic diseases, including cancer, diabetes, heart disease, they're all diseases of inflammation. So when we're able to control um, a bit of our inflammation, you know, we're hopefully able to, to reduce that risk factor or to help treat um, the disease that we have. So sources of omega-3s would be like canned tuna, fresh tuna, salmon, um, some rainbow trout, um, some halibut will have some of it. Tilapia will have a little bit of it. Um, walnuts, ground flaxseed, chia seed, and then canola oil. And actually, there's a local. Sorry, on those Sorry, fishes, what? I know people have often said to me, you know, it's hard to get oily fish in Kenya, but actually, one, which is one of the most oily fish in the world, is the Nile perch, which you can get Nile perch quite easily in Kenya. Because obviously tuna and salmon is all flown in. You can get brown and it's trout expensive. In Kenya, and, it, and it becomes expensive. But Nile perch, which is available all over Kenya, mm -hmm. actually relatively cheap, and it is one of the oldest fish. It's the oldest freshwater fish in the world. So very good. Yeah, great tip. Thanks for adding that. Good idea. 
Perfect. And also the canned tuna, that's very cheap in Kenya, and it's very high in omega-3s. I literally think I found some for like 55 or 100 shillings. Um, So think about that. But again, the oil, you know, um, many of us are cooking with oil, so switch to that omega-3 or to the canola oil, which is an omega-3. The other thing is getting enough of the um, monounsaturated fats, which this is the type of heart-healthy fat that is most prevalent in the Mediterranean diet. Um, And they tend to have the lowest rates of chronic disease in the world as well. Um, And so sources of that type of heart-healthy fat would be extra virgin olive oil, again, the avocado. um, Those are probably going to some nuts and seeds. Um, Those are going to be your biggest sources of those monounsaturated fats. Um, So I think when we talk about our diet, you know, that's that's for the heart disease. And then as well as the diabetes, a lot of those same things are going to play – play a role as well. And again, because a lot of times they're very closely related in terms of, of the diet um, for them. And then many times people have them both together once they have one that risk for the other. Mm. Any questions? Yes, I have a whole list. Yeah. Wow, perfect. <laughs> um, I think that the demographic for the, the broadcast uh, tends to, you have a lot, of, a lot of people who are into fitness and you know, people who are athletes. Even if they don't compete yeah. in any what uh, they train like yeah. athletes. So I even know what you're going to ask. <laughs> right? No, I kind of know what you're going to ask, but yeah. Look. Yeah, and like a lot, like some, some of these things would work, like the advice Ashley has given is so perfect for the, like these are the studies that she's even, you know, referring to is for the like normal, Gen-pop. normal person or someone who just has a normal office job and will go for a walk. Or, you know, we're not going to train for two, three hours like Leon and Clea. No, we don't train that long. That's you, Simon. (laughs) That's Simon. (laughs) Yeah, but I feel like uh, some things would need to be a bit different. Like for if you're just, you know, just trying to be healthy, just trying to, you know, take care of yourself and longevity, longevity. I don't know how to say that word. Longevity. Then everything that Ashley has said is 100%, 100%, like she has my endorsement. But if you're, if you're an athlete, 1,500 milligrams of salt is the worst thing you could do. Because if you're sweating, if, you, if you're running and losing all this water, all this sweat, you will so quickly run into the opposite of, instead of hyponatremia, you're going to hyponatremia. And when you have very little salt, because you lose salt in yeah. your sweat, isn't it? Yeah. So actually, athletes, yeah, absolutely. Sorry, athletes end up uh, having to, you know, have need. They need more salt because they are losing so much of it in the mm-hmm. in their day-to-day training. I mean, if you're training for two hours, you're gonna sweat a lot and you're gonna lose it. Um, another thing is maybe the white rice versus brown rice, white chapati versus brown chapati. Again, mm-hmm. if you're eating for health makes sense mm-hmm. if you're eating like leon <laughs> eat enough brown chapatis you will be so bloated you will not be able to eat more yeah. than a certain yeah. amount of calories yeah even rice it's brown rice because the fiber again as you said it's very good for the gut bacteria but one thing that gut bacteria do when they break down food is produce gas yeah yes that's, that's very true little quantities you're eating 50 50 grams of rice or 100 grams of rice Really, it's but, fine. But yeah, eating we eating 200, 300 grams of, of rice. Um, then you're better off eating the simpler one Probably. that can be broken down in, into energy quickly, and then you'll be hungrier again sooner. That's for people who are bulking. Just, yeah, clear. So does 800 normal, grams a day. 
No, not, any, not anymore. No, 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 no. No, when we were both bulking, it was about a kilo of rice a day, and uh, white, white rice was just so it much more easy to digest for us. Um, and like you said, it's like where you eat that. So I would eat white rice pre and post training due to the absorption. Yeah, because of yeah. your yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, but not even like just just in general. I prefer to have my easy absorbed carbs mm. round training in general, even if I was looking at that normally. But have higher fiber away from from training away from training because you want to get your glycogen levels back yeah. up to to refill. Mm. You want to make sure you're topped up before training and refilled after training to start building some muscle. Yeah. yeah what, what so I yes, I sorry. What I was driving at is that um, sometimes your your needs are going to have to be specific to you and what you're doing uh, in your day. What, what I need, the amount of salt I need, I literally take two grams of salt before I train because so, I sweat like a bit. Yeah, that, mm-hmm. that teaspoon I was saying, you, you put it in water. Yeah, and... I just throw it in. I throw it in <laughs> and it makes such a big difference. I get a better pump. pump if I'm running, I'm able to run much longer with less fatigue. Yep. You don't need the blue drink. Longer. You don't need that blue drink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so what I was going to say is that things are so, like everyone is so different depending on how they train and how they live. And this is where people like Ashley come in and that if you're not sure, don't don't, don't guess. Yeah, don't, don't take 1,500 milligrams of, of, of salt a day just because one person, this works for a certain group of people. It might be better to invest a little bit of money, like just a little bit of money in getting a, a dietitian to, to have a look at your lifestyle yeah. and evaluate for you specifically. Yeah, okay. White true. rice might yes. work for, for one person. Brown rice might work for the other person because they're not eating much. Mm-hmm. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. It totally does. So thank you for that. And we always do say, you know, we have to approach it as an individual situation because not everybody's the same and their body doesn't react the same. So I, de- and I should have prefaced it as yes, this is definitely general recommendations. And this is for people that are most at risk for chronic disease or that are having chronic disease. And a lot of times those people, I mean, I'm going to go on a whim here and say nine times out of 10, it's not going to be some pro athlete bodybuilder, right? Because they're already so healthy. And so, um, you know, they're so in shape and things like that. So, so yes, I was definitely coming at it from the general population, the general average person. So but thank al- you for that clarification. But also you'd be surprised at how many athletes and bodybuilders have no idea what they're doing. Like, no, no. Well, that's why they have you guys. It, no, even even what we're talking about, salt and stuff. Sim, we think it's simple, but it's it's crazy when you speak to athletes and yeah. you can really see a lot of people. It's 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 like a genetic gift because they have no idea what yeah, they're you doing. Speak to a Kenyan, proper Kenyan athlete, representing Kenya. You go, does Team Kenya have a, a registered dietitian working with the athletes? You know. Yeah, I tried. I, I tried well, getting. They barely have uniforms. They barely, barely, barely have stuff to run in, let alone uh, you know dietitians. Because it no, it's sad. I tried working with some football teams on nutrition, and the first question I got asked was why. See, mm. see Anapula. Oh, yeah. It's like yeah. see You're that connection there. Yeah, it's like it's yeah. like why they're eating. Why why do they need you to tell them? Yes. So you can really see. From the, the top, lack of awareness. yeah, and it's from the top. From mm-hmm. say even some of the coaches, or there's no mm-hmm. maybe funding, but you can really see there's the athletes. There's that the, they. It's just get on the pitch, do your best, and then sort yourself out. And yeah. Another thing, sorry, um, Ashley. Yeah. Um, I feel like 
there's as, as much as there's so much variance in what every individual needs, I feel like there are some things that every single human being needs to mm-hmm. have, like as, as, mm-hmm. like as you say, the antioxidants. I feel like those uh, maybe would be better suited to to answer this question. Are there any food groups mm-hmm. that um, are a must for everyone? Whether you're a pro athlete, whether you're ninety year old grandma, whether you're mm-hmm. like my baby, yes. those. No, is there anything that you, you that it's across the board for everyone? Yes. So I'm going to start with macronutrients. So we all need carbs. We all need fat. We all need protein, period. The amounts are going to vary, of course, depending on our needs, our lifestyle, etc. But we're going to need those macronutrients. Now, getting into the food groups. Um, so what food groups are going to provide those macronutrients? Um, you know, we're going to need um, uh, we're going to need like um, protein sources. So it doesn't have to be meat but make sure that you're getting enough protein from plant-based sources. So like beans and things like that, which are also going to provide you with antioxidants. Um, you know, you are going to need your fruits and vegetables because they provide you with fiber. Humans need fiber to keep our gut, to keep our bowel moving and because of the antioxidants. Um, so you do need to have fruits and vegetables. Um, the other thing is, um, you know, grains, I would argue that they're important, but can you survive without them? You can survive without them as long as you're getting other carbs and enough fiber throughout your day. Um, and I would always advocate for them, but again, you're not going to die without them. Um, and then, yeah, so your protein sources, your, your carbs, your grains, um, your fruits, your vegetables, and then dairy. Um, you know, it's, you don't necessarily have to have dairy. Um, and I understand that people are allergic or prefer not to have it or, or based on their lifestyle, if they're vegan, things like that. But what you do have to make sure is that you're getting calcium and vitamin D. And those are very big nutrients of concern, in particular vitamin D. I mean, vitamin D is linked to almost every single disease, whether it's acute or chronic. Um, and so making sure we get enough of that. So, you know, if, you know, and I do want to also acknowledge that milk is not fortified with vitamin D in Kenya. And, you know, a lot of yogurts are not fortified with vitamin D either, you know, so considering that supplement, um, that is something that I would recommend. I'm not, I'm not necessarily about supplements. It's always food first. Um, but in particular, if you're not getting that food group, make sure that you're getting that supplement. So, so again, I hope that answers your question. So making sure you're having that protein source again, it doesn't have to be meat, but you do need to have protein at every meal, you know, your fruits and vegetables at every meal for those antioxidants, your vitamins, your minerals, just to keep your body functioning at its best, the fiber. Um, and then, yeah, the carbs. And then I I think I answered the rest. Any other follow-up questions from that? From the discussion, yes. Um, I think we had this discussion last time. It was uh, to do with uh, the fats, you know, these saturated fats. And um, I honestly feel, uh, even from the reading I've done, it's it's very dose-dependent. I wouldn't say that Mm -hmm. there's any type of fat, natural occurring fat, yeah? So we're talking about your beef and, uh, you know, your your fats from meat or from any food that you can get naturally, even butter or whatever. I don't think there's any that's particularly bad if eaten in the right amounts the, the fats that i actually do have an issue with are the processed processed mm-hmm. fats the, um, the trans fats trans, all, all, all these all these things that have to, to be extracted from the from the seed using either high yeah. heat or using chemicals olive, mm-hmm. it is, olive oil is very good because they just squeeze the olive and it removes the oil you know mm-hmm. very little mm-hmm. processing and it's also very healthy and it doesn't turn into a trans fat beef again if you're getting your your saturated fat from meat Again, it's okay. I don't think there's any study that shows that eating beef is inherently bad. The problem is the, the excess. If you eat too so much is, of 
Sorry? Yes. So, so it is the excess um, that is going to be an issue. Um, and the type of fat that's found in the meat um, is going to be, um, you know, saturated for the most part. So again, limiting that is everything. Um, but there is, I'm going to get a little bit into biochemistry here and there's a study I'm happy to share with the group. Um, but there is when the, the red meat is being processed in our bodies and being broken down, there is a chemical component that is being released and that is actually putting us at a higher risk for heart disease. Um, so I'll leave it at that. It's called TAMO. So T-A-M-O, T-A-M-O, TAMO. T-A-M-O, I believe wow. I said that correctly, but I will send that study because that, that was newly done. Yeah. And so it is, that's kind of, you know, linking um, the red meat to uh, more of these chronic diseases. So again, I'm not saying it's bad and we can never have it, but what I am saying is that limit and moderation, proper portion, as I say with everything. Because uh -huh. yeah. um, yeah. well, what I was going to go at is that you see your, your body uses these, these fats, the naturally occurring ones as, as anyway. Um, as, as fuel, it's, mm -hmm. it's a calorie, just like you have your, mm -hmm. your carbohydrates and okay, other than protein, carbs and fats are literally fuel. That's what, that's what you should be looking at. And I feel like your body, if your, your body is able to, to utilize the saturated fats as a fuel source, but if you eat too much of it, of course, it's going to have to store. And that's where the problem mm -hmm. comes in when you have too much and that's how it ends up entering, entering into your blood when it's too much. But if it's just enough, then mm -hmm. I don't think it should be a problem no matter what food group you decide to go, whether you're vegan or whether you prefer to have beef, mm -hmm. I think the caloric excess is a problem mm -hmm. because you still have people who are vegetarian or vegan who are still mm -hmm. obese. I mean, cake is vegan. Mm -hmm. it's, 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 I mean, yeah, so exactly, right? Yeah, just, and that's where people, that's where people say, oh, it's vegan, it's vegetarian, it's this, it has to be better. No, not always the case. And that's where we get this gluten-free and all these free-from foods, and this is becoming this trend that then it's healthier for us. No. So again, everything in moderation and proper portion, and that's why I started by saying, you know, saturated fat for the general population, it's recommended 12 to 15% or about 7 to 10% of your total caloric intake because that is what our bodies, um, that is where we don't have a high risk for developing chronic disease based on taking too much of saturated fat. So if you stay within that amount, you're good. So it's not that you can't have any, it's uh -huh. just what is that total amount you're having? And then ideally, we would want it to come from healthier sources because now you're getting other nutrients to go along with that fat, right? Um, mm -hmm. Does that make sense? That makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah. I think the issue is we should ban coconut oil because it tastes disgusting. It's yummy. And, avo and avocados too. No, no, now, now, gen gentlemen, gentlemen. Well, you know, for those who are on my, my fitness pal or whatever tracking app, you can track your fats. And I do that a bit just to make sure, you know, if I find some days it'll be heavy on sort of, especially when I was bulking, like butter, yeah. red meat. And then I'll be like, whoa, that is a lot of saturated fat. So if you are tracking, that's a good thing. Instead of just looking at, you know, fat, carbohydrate, protein, you know, start looking at that, that sort of breakdown, your saturated fat, polyunsaturated, monounsaturated, yes. you know, have oh, absolutely. geek out like on that a bit. But... So, um, generally speaking, because um, uh, say like in Kenya, there's a rise in, you know, lifestyle diseases. I mean, yes. you go outside, uh, deep fried mandazi is what, 10, 20 bob. You, uh -huh. you go see the chapatis, the best, you know, the tastiest <laughs> drowning like, in that's oil. That's like a tablespoon. Every yeah. Chapati. And 
Um, and so this, good. Oh, but yeah, wait. But, but you see, this no, is... No, I was just going to ask, what is transformer oil? What kind of fat oh, is yeah. that? <laughs> yeah, because... Oh, my God, you guys. I've heard about that. That's so terrible. That it's... is so... How... No, oh, my God. Those but... people need to be arrested. No, but see, it it has it, it actually causes no harm to the human body. That's... It's a but great, we'll it's discuss a great about oil. it. Anyway, sorry. About, I yeah, had to say that. Because it, <laughs> it, it, it takes a long time before the bones break and... That's why they use it. Oh my it. god! But you see the. <laughs> sometimes you see the the guys who, you know, uh, we can say. <sighs> say manual labor, manual laborers in, um, mm-hmm. say Kenya, because you see the guys who mm-hmm. are sort of pay daily wages. They're the ones yeah. who eat this stuff, but when you look mm-hmm. at the guy, he looks sort of, well, from looking, he looks healthier. You can see a bit of muscle. He walks every day. He's not overweight. Yeah, he walks every day. And I think it's like how Simon said it. It really depends on your job and your life, your activity. Because a lot of rising, I think, in lifestyle diseases is because a lot of us work in offices. Uh, You don't want to change your habits. You're still eating crap every day. You're eating your thousand calorie cake daily. And then to add on top of that, you don't want to go for a walk. You're sitting in the office, you know, nine to five. So, like, what advice would you give to, you know, normal daily office workers who I think are the highest when it comes to risk, when it comes to lifestyle diseases? I have a good one yeah. that I actually tell even even my patients. I always tell them the same thing. Yeah, is to just look for the simple foods. If you can look at a food and you can identify where it's come from, you see this is meat. It's come from a cow. This is uh, rice. It's come from the ground. Like I don't want to go as simple as say one ingredient foods. Yeah, but just the more simple a food is, chances are the better. And as I mean, also natural. Yeah, like food that's not been processed it's very difficult for you to go wrong with natural foods because i mean um you you can't overeat rice you can't overeat beef on its own unless now you start adding other things to it you can't overeat vegetables you can't any 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 of the food groups that we have if they're natural it's very difficult for you to to overeat them but once you start having foods like especially if you look at the packets of crisps you know you look at the back and you have like 20 ingredients for this thing you know be nice to Chris. Man. It's very simplified. I've really simplified it. But just look, try get one ingredient foods. Stick to yeah. ingredients where you can see the sauce. And that you can pronounce. So like all your grandma would yeah. recognize. Yeah, and I think that's why our old, not the new generation of grandmas, but the older okay. ones, I mean, they overate, yes, and they still had issues, but their foods are very simple. Yeah, I mean, you're overeating ugali and rice and chicken and chapos. It's, yes, it's, you are very difficult to overeat. Normal food, but also think about it. I have to challenge you. I have to challenge you, Dr. Simon. I believe you can overeat rice because (laughs) if you're eating so much rice and it's Uh, not in proper balance and portion, uh, you know, uh, because that's that's where I come from. So because you know, I think we have to be careful with what we say because sometimes people are going to say because it's natural, because it's uh, organic, because it's a food I can recognize, I can eat as much as I want. 
and then we can still gain weight from that because right at the end of the day it's still calories calories in versus calories out you know but i hear what you're saying that we want to focus on wholesome food whole food real food you know lots of of produce derived from the ground and you know a lot of us care where our food comes from we want to make sure that we're getting the genuine food that we went to the supermarket for or that we went to the market for so we know what we're putting in our bodies um so that's what i always say and then I always say everything in moderation and everything in proper portion and having a true variety because, you know, a lot of times people will just have like, they'll have their same meal every single day. Um, and it may be a healthy meal. Maybe it's chicken, broccoli, rice, and avocado and grapes, you know, great. But you're getting those same nutrients then you're getting those same antioxidants. You're, you're getting those same fats. You're not getting a variety. So that's why we say have a huge variety as well and make sure that your plate is colorful because all those different colors equal different nutrients and especially different antioxidants. Yeah, Agreed. I need to be better at that. I'm I'm such a creature of habit. We but, all do. But also, but also do you think... Is key. Yeah, but I was saying location, like the way you said about vitamin D. I know in yeah. Kenya we don't fortify because it's a tropical place. There's sun and we don't have winter. But you see, mm-hmm. and then... We do have winter. I will say that. I <laughs> yeah. Winter, just yeah. Yeah, you become soft. It to me as well. You get soft. I'm embarrassed. I know. My Minnesotans, they're just like, this girl, uh-uh, yes. can't claim her. Because, um, no, I'm just saying, um, think about it. Say you have um, beans, beans growing in Western Kenya or even in Nairobi. Mm-hmm. I think the beans in in Western Kenya would definitely have a variety of nutrients as compared to beans grown in, say, uh, Europe, where yeah, Yeah. or China, where it's soil that's probably had to be fortified and uh, they've had to add, you know, the minerals and all the stuff just to make the soil before they can plant the beans. I just want to add to that, but a vitamin D situation, I think the issue now, though, in Kenya, isn't the lack of natural vitamin D from the sun, it's the fact that the amount of people now working in offices. Yeah, guys are inside the house. Like in longer hours, and a lot less people spending time walking out in the sun, you know, going, you know, taking your shirt off and laying in your garden, getting a bit of sun on the skin. It doesn't happen as much, and I think it's also the increase in takeaway. But you see, the the problem is, like, there's a client I was uh, telling Claire about. She went to the hospital, and the doctor prescribed vitamin D. And I'm Uh like, why? why? Just go outside in the sun. And then, you know, I, I know, Simon, I know you don't do this, but the vitamin D, you know, is being bought from the same guy's pharmacy. So... Mm-hmm. Are we? You get my point. It's sometimes. Actually, it's not something to say. I can <laughs> yeah, I got something to say. Okay, so it is true. It's it's really becoming an issue in Kenya, and here's why. So Andy, you bring up a great point, and that's so true. You know, we're having protective clothing. We're in the office. We're not getting outside. But also, there's this um this fear of skin cancer, right? So people are also wearing sunscreen yes. now, and that prevents vi- us getting vitamin D um into our skin, right? Um, and so if we're following doctor's advice, you know, the, the, the research-based advice, you know, we should be doing those things. Therefore, it's just showing the more importance of getting vitamin D through our dietary needs. And many times there's not going to be food that has enough vitamin D. So that is going to be the one supplement that I would recommend. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say this, I'm actually really embarrassed, but I will admit this because we're all, we're all human, right? Um, my son, my two-year-old, I, he went to the doctor for, I don't know what, a regular checkup, and they did a blood test, and he was deficient in vitamin D. <laughs> wow. The dietitian mom's yeah. son was deficient in vitamin D. And I was so shocked. I'm like, what? I, here's what I'll do, you know? And she's like, actually, this is becoming an issue in Kenya. We see so many kids, and that's why I take the vitamin D blood test for all my patients because so many kids have this. And so I do have them on a supplement, um, and I personally take one as well because also some of us based on our genetics are at higher risk of you know osteoporosis or bone issues and looking at the research vitamin d is such an active piece um if we don't have enough in so many chronic and acute diseases this is my um, point so. i always have this conversation with the school about how much insulin we put my daughter i'm like i understand why you're doing it i also worry about how much vitamin d she's absorbing because actually the lack of vitamin d vitamin d helps your immune system, which will help prevent cancer anyway. Yeah. But, but we don't want to have skin cancer, so it's like a balancing act of... I know. But, mm-hmm. but think about it. Yeah. This, no, I was sorry, just saying... Um, yeah? I was just yeah. saying... It, no, sorry. I was saying it's different. Back in the day, we were being chased outside to go play. Yes, there was, no, not, yeah, there was nothing the like skin cancer or yes. all that nonsense. I then, do the same to my kids now. Yeah, it's... Uh, so... Yeah. So, so it's like, yeah, Ashley is actually right. It's become a sort of smaller pandemic. So to say, there was a study they did in, in Norway, I think one of these Scandinavian countries where they have a huge uh, Somali population, you know, that, that have moved there as refugees or whatever. Yeah, they found all of them are vitamin D deficient. Yeah. Wow. It's not that they were exposed to less sunlight, but it's because, you know, as Africans, we are, we are darker. And the yeah. melanin actually protects you yes. from skin cancer or whatever, yeah. but it also prevents you from absorbing more vitamin D. So for Ashley, her son will get less vitamin D from spending the same amount of time in the sun as she does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah? And the, another problem that she, she brought up is that look at our clothing. Vitamin D is made in the skin, isn't it? Yeah. You're, you're covered from here to here in your suit. Especially Kenyan babies. Area, yeah. Only your Yes. Any yeah. babies are wearing snowsuits in twenty exactly. You need to be you need to be I mean, at least in a vest or shirtless, you know, for you to have a good surface area. And um I think the best way to mitigate um the fear of the sun, the sun I mean it's different throughout the day, isn't it? In the morning, early morning, seven o'clock, eight o'clock, that sun is not gonna cause you any cancer. It's yeah. very mild, very little sun, but it's still enough for you to make your vitamin D. Once it's, it goes to 10 o'clock, 10 to, to 2 o'clock, and the sun is at, yeah. it's at its hottest, oh, yes. then you really don't want to be out because you, you will burn. If you're, you're lighter skin, you literally will burn. You so what will. I'd say for people, oh, yes. For people, with kids, <laughs> people with kids, get them out early in the morning. Let, even for us, I think the best practice we can do to get enough vitamin D, other than supplementing, I also take a vitamin D supplement just because I'm not but, sure how regular I can be with my walks. But if I could yeah. take, yeah, if I could take a walk every every morning from maybe but, seven eight o'clock in the morning, yeah. where I've exposed maybe I'm in a vest. But uh, also, I don't think I need the vitamin D supplement at all. But it would have to be every day. But also, I think mm-hmm. sometimes we we use research to sort of get into our lazy ways. Because mm-hmm. think about it. Our grandparents, our parents, never had to worry about skin cancer, vitamin D. 
us guys like Andy, yeah like andy said we sit in the house we wear clothes and then we're like oh skin cancer mm. no just get out of the house and don't be lazy no well it's, it's you've got to be careful i'm i yeah, like to skin so skin cancer is a big thing but yeah. salmon like you said and my mum always told me this you know you go out get that early morning sun 20 minutes or early morning, early morning evening yeah. get your 10 10 and, yeah. and you're good and yeah. we are we are running out of time so i think <laughs> <laughs> we haven't even day. we haven't even gotten into the cancer we might have to have another episode but i would just like to um, we know that lifestyle diseases are on the rise with Kenya, and I know statistics are a bit hard to come by, but um, what are the sort of main lifestyle diseases, and have you got any statistics, and, and then I know since COVID and lockdown, how has that impacted everything um, here in Kenya? Um, I think Ashley had some very good statistics, better than mine, so I think I'll let her go with uh... <laughs> the Kenyan statistics for the, the, the lifestyle. Maybe she's got like a that. direct channel to the government or something going on. <laughs> ah, I don't know. Secret okay. so again, I think what, what we talked about though before this is that, you know, this probably isn't inclusive of everybody and it probably is much higher because if we look at the statistics and we compare them to how many people we know that actually have a lifestyle disease. So I think it's really important to take that into account. Um, but what I will say is that um, I, I do want to share this. Um, that 40% of people that got diagnosed were, with diabetes were totally unaware of that condition and found out because they went to a doctor for another thing. So it's important that we're aware of this and that we get checked regularly. The other thing that I found very interesting was that about half of hospital admissions in Kenya are related to chronic disease. Okay, so every other person that walks through the door is going to the hospital related to chronic disease. And I think that is more accurate of the of the situation in Kenya with chronic disease. And 55% of all deaths in Kenya are due to chronic disease. Okay, and so um, I, I think that that's, that's interesting takeaways. And then one other thing I wanted to say as well is that rates of these types of lifestyle diseases are expected to double by 2030. Okay. Um, So, so we're just going to start to, you know, and if you compare this from what, what data they had, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago to now, it's very interesting when you see, you know, what are the top 10 killer um, reasons Kenyans are dying? The chronic diseases continue to creep up towards the top, you know, so we really do have to own this and really know that a lot of this is totally within our wheelhouse of responsibility. So we're responsible for what we eat. We're responsible about how active we are, you know, and of course I understand there's financial restrictions and things like that, but do what you can do within your means to prevent this. Um, Something else that's important, you know, taking a look at COVID, um, me personally, you know, and and looking at the types of of, um, clients that I'm seeing, you know, I'm having a lot of people that are coming to me related to overweight and weight management. And, you know, I've dealt a lot with that and that's what I do. So it makes sense. People are coming to me for that. But in particular, children that have gained 10 to 15 kgs, these kids are between six and eight years old, you guys. And it's just showing us in such a short time since COVID, since the lockdown, that's lack of activity, watching more TV, maybe they're stress eating, you know, maybe we're feeling guilty because we're working so much from home. So we're ordering a pizza. We're not mindful of you know how much our children are eating you know so i think we really need to pay attention to that because it will be very interesting what covid does to um the statistics on um on chronic disease 
And another thing is remember that if you have chronic disease, you're at a higher risk of complications with COVID. You know, so another reason to really get the chronic disease under control. The other thing I was just thinking about COVID, more people spending time inside, those vitamin D levels are also still going lower and lower. Kids are putting on weight, so more risk factors, lower vitamin D. It's a a, a nasty mix, and we're so worried about this one thing, COVID, that we're forgetting actually about there's another bigger risk, which is these lifestyle diseases that we're not tackling. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. because now, I guess now you're, especially as a parent, you have to think about what your child eats instead of leaving it to the school because now they're home. So yeah. It's, yeah. it's obviously... I've seen Kaya's got lactose intolerance yeah, because I spent so much time with her. If I give her yeah. a little bit of ice cream, she gets so gassy after. Yeah. Right? I was like, right, let's do an experiment. Let's limit your lactose take yeah. and then we reintroduce it later. And we did this and straight away, gassy, bloated stomach. We're like, all right, we're just going to reduce you know, your lactose. Because being home with her all the time, I can actually monitor what she's doing. Yeah. But you see you know, that? Andy, that's, that's so, such an interesting thing that you bring up because we are learning so much about our kids. Like, I learned my daughter has heartburn, and if we just avoid tomatoes in the evening meal, she's perfectly fine. Oh, nice. You know, it's, it's incredible if we just, like, pay attention, and, and more so because we have the time. So really take advantage of the extra time we have together and really, you know, help your family be the healthiest it can be. Yeah, instead yeah. of ordering out a pizza or or whatever you order just think think more healthy yeah i also force her to take her steps when i take my steps <laughs> your steps you got bigger legs i have that problem start too, her Andy. early <laughs> uh, well i think this has just been so interesting and we could go on and on but uh yeah. got one more thing. oh simon Bye. go for it just one, one last thought, yeah? Um, you know, we, we came to discuss lifestyle diseases which are killing killing a lot of the human human population. As you said, up to 50% of all people dying today are dying due to, you know, diabetes, hypertension, strokes, cancer, all those things, yeah? Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what? Death death is, is inevitable. We are, we, no one has ever been able to, to beat it, and that's where we are, we are, yeah. we are all heading. Yeah. Um, and it's important. Death is part of its life's sort of way of of a software update. That's what I call it. Cheerful. <laughs> it's a software update. <laughs> Out with the old. In with the new. <laughs> and um, you know, as 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 we as we age, and now we are we're bringing in kids. You can literally see the new coming up. You can see your replacement right right there. You know, um, and our ancestors, you know, died from things like. Um, our ancestors back then, they died from pneumonia, they died from TB, malaria, they were eaten by lions, whatever killed them back yeah. then. And, you know, science, humans were able to to catch up and, you know, those are not issues that people die from much anymore. And then now we have the new generation that's come, which is now our parents and grandparents are dying from, from hypertension and, <clears throat> sorry, hypertension and diabetes and all these things that are preventable. And I feel like now, now our generation shouldn't have to die from the same the same yeah. thing yeah um and this is so where true. our role our role comes in we have uh people like you know um ashley leon clear you andy and myself we have an opportunity to you know educate people that these things might, you, you don't have to die from diabetes you don't yeah. even if you no. have it the hypertension we can actually structure your diet in a way it's been done other people have done yeah. it but you hyper you're hypertensive or you're diabetic 
and you just you know change your lifestyle fuck the fancy drugs i'm a doctor and i can tell you that those drugs don't really work to to help you as much as they do to make money for the pharmaceutical companies that's not yeah, even a, that's i don't think that's controversial at all honestly that's just the truth it's the truth but yeah. if, if, the, if the doctors were to like just change the diet and you know force people to to exercise and then the, you know the drugs would be less and anyway um i, I digress a bit um yeah so since we us guys have the the knowledge to do it i think it's time we we push uh this knowledge on you know people and let 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 our children mm. die, die from different things something else will come up but let it not be let it not be this lifestyle diseases that we we know so much about the covid 50 yeah, yes. that, that's why and i want no, no, go, go, for go, go first. And I just wanted to, to end on a positive note as well, because this can be very overwhelming and very scary. And I just want to say, too, when you work with a great doctor and, of course, a great dietitian <laughs> and great, you know, personal trainers and things like this, you really can live a very high quality life even though you have chronic diseases or at risk for them, you absolutely can. And I have so many clients that do. It's just, you need to be able to put it, want and be willing to put in the effort that it takes and you can live a great life. Yeah, I love that. Uh, I think that's, I think that's why, that's why we started the podcast. It's more, yeah. it's just to make it, it's just to show you, it can be simple. It, can, it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be complicated. But it yeah. also has to be holistic. Yes. No point yeah. A full-on approach. Do it all on our own. We all need to come together. Yeah. Different parts of and health. And, and yeah. sustainable. Yeah. yeah. And if yep. if this podcast can educate one, who can educate another one, and so forth. So let's hope this this helps you. And uh, yeah, I think I think a part two will be because I I still have my cancer. <laughs> debate with uh, you guys i think we might definitely need a <laughs> also just on cancer just for you Leo. just no yeah. yeah cancer and vitamin d it's not uh, okay. it's not okay. Okay. <laughs> no well thank you so much and i think yeah those that's actually and simon that was such a great takeaway from both of you there and um I, well I, we always link um them on instagram so you should follow them you know Perfect. you know you know I think always be proactive, you know, don't, don't wait for yourself to be diagnosed with something, you know, if you just go and get your blood work done, um, or, or, you know, get in touch with Ashley, get a, you know, get her take on your diet and your lifestyle, things like that. And just get outside, get walking, simple, simple things. Um, Invest in your health. Totally. In your health is your wealth. That's it. <laughs> Love yes. it. Um, yeah. And Ashley, if you can share that study with us, um, then we can link yep. that yes. for anyone who's interested. Or um, So Simon, Ashley, if there are any other articles that you think are uh, interesting yeah. and understandable, not... Uh, to science just, just to, that's a collab we should do soon yeah you should that yeah. would be so cool yeah, write, write yeah. articles because i mean i think like i have yeah. all my medical books and yeah. some of that like even when i was trying to study yeah. for this uh podcast like i couldn't i was really struggling to simplify it yeah it, it's it so complicated like terms that for me have make sense maybe the yeah. first part yeah. of the podcast i might have talked and most people are like what the fuck is he talking about <laughs> It's okay. Well, yeah, I swear all the time, Simon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like maybe, maybe moving forward, uh, that's something I really want to do. Just uh, maybe work with Ashley, Leon, Tia, and yeah. I just put out articles where people can read. You know, something that's yeah, I, 
complicated complicated terms in very easy english mm-hmm. yeah i used yeah. to do those you remember yeah. the blog i did it yes used, yeah it used yes. to get quite quite a lot of people reading so try some That's people like yeah, reading some blogs yeah some yeah. people enjoy reading more than audio so yeah. well we will have to have like podcast the, the the website or yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> summary when we write notes of yeah. what we discussed and adds a few things you know well yeah. if you are listening and you think you'd like that let us know actually that's, that's a very good <laughs> let us know that's a good idea i like yeah we'll, we'll discuss well we've been serenaded by uh, the cow in the background ashley thanks <laughs> You know, I, I'm so oblivious to it now because I hear it all the time. So glad you enjoyed. It's been wonderful. We've had a, a taste of the country life. Um, thank you so much for coming on again. Um, I've, I've really enjoyed this. I've even made a bit, a few notes. Um, such an interesting topic. And uh, yeah, we might have to come back for part two. Anyway, thanks again, guys, for coming on. Thank you. Thank you.